Hey, sister. Hey, sister. Welcome, listeners, to the Sunflower Society podcast, where we are helping you maximize your gifts and talents and your day-to-day activities to have an impact in the world. Let's get ready to go. Hey, Hey. sister. Oh, hey, sister. How are you? I'm, I'm managing. Well, listeners, we are here with episode 33. It's titled Fear Factor in Real Life. How to heal cultural the virus of cultural inflammation. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, I, I've drank my tea this morning. I, I think we have a pretty loaded episode lined up for you listeners. Um, but before we dive in, uh, we will say we are referencing the show Fear Factor because if you're not familiar, um, popular ish type reality show. I don't even think it's still on, but basically they would have people engage in all these like hardcore activities in order to, I believe, win a certain amount of money or prizes. And I think it was this whole concept that fear can drive people to really respond in um, ways that they wouldn't normally respond. So we thought it'd be interesting to kind of confront this whole idea of fear Um, examining if it's logical, and of course, address what is currently happening in our world with COVID-19, also known um, as the coronavirus, especially since Kara, my lovely sister and co-hostess, has like 15 years of experience in the healthcare industry. So I'm excited to pick her brain. Um, And again, we are talking about how do we heal the virus that is cultural inflammation. And we'll kind of talk more about what that means. But you said you're, you said that you're surviving. Um, I'm managing. You're managing. And surviving. Mm-hmm. Do you want to, I guess, just give listeners the perspective you have right now. You're on the inside. And I know for a fact, a lot of our listeners do not work in healthcare. Do you want to kind of give an insight of what it's been like to be part of a network of hos- of like hospitals right now? <laughs> I don't yeah. know too loaded of a question, but I don't know how much I can um, like talk about talk right. about, but um, <clears throat> right now the organization that I work for is obviously working diligently to um, kind of mitigate any of the things that we're able to at this point. There are a lot of unknowns in the situation just by nature of the virus. We always have had disaster plans in place, et cetera, for Mm -hmm. situations that arise. Um, However, and those are designed to care for large um, communities that are under distress, meaning we would expect a large influx of patients to come into us at one time. So we are fully prepared in that respect. However, um, because this is kind of an ever-evolving thing um, because of the nature of the virus itself and and our lack of research on it, um, we're kind of going day by day, hour by hour as we learn more information. So 
as they are, are treating patients, taking care of patients, we're gleaning information from other countries. You know, obviously it came from China. I think everybody knows that at this point. Um, but we're gleaning information on how our patients are responding to certain treatments in the United States um, with some of the, uh, the medicines that are being tried, with some of the equipment that's being tried, et cetera. Okay. Um, that being said, it is, it is very tense right now. And I'll just, I'll openly say that, um, I have full confidence in the people that I work with. I love, um, my small community hospital that I work with. Um, I work with some really gifted and talented people. Um, but because of the state of uncertainty in the atmosphere in general, it's just a different place than um, I've ever felt, at least in my 15 years of experience. Now, there are nurses that and, and people in leadership that have had way more um, experience than I have, and they're leading the way and paving the way for us as a health system through this. Um, but, you know, we're not any less, I guess, stressed about the situation than anybody else. Right. Well... That's an important perspective to consider. Now, I know that I'm really curious. Well, and I have some things to share. And we want to tie this to like, we're going to tie this to um, just real life scenarios. We're not just going to speak about the coronavirus this entire episode. Um, right. But in the wake of all of this, one of the things I know you and I were just kind of discussing was this whole idea of it truly fear can cause like cultural inflammation basically. And we see that coming out with this hyper focus on self like that. And and the thing is like, right. It's the whole know thyself. Okay. I'm a big proponent of that. I'm a big proponent of self-love self-care all the self, right? Because Mm -hmm. How can I really care well for others if I don't care for myself? However, there is a difference between knowing and loving yourself and being outright selfish and unwilling, unwilling to even try to understand what's going on from other lenses. And one of the consistent things I've seen is people that are just, and, and this could be Honestly, this could be said about so many things, but I think now people are not holding back in the wake of kind of a pandemonium. Um, They are like, what's coming out is like, they're really just focused on one man for himself, basically. That whole idea. Maybe that's just what I'm seeing with how people are reacting. Um, What what are you seeing? (laughs) So I'm seeing the same thing. And to be honest with you, I think the biggest struggle in healthcare right now is that pandemonium by the public because it's been so overinflated and so flooded with misinformation that people are just taking whatever and running with it. Like they are filling in the unknowns as they go with their own opinion and then sharing that. And people are taking that as gospel. And these are not people that are uneducated by any means. But because of the fear that's inside of them, fear brings out either the devil or the lover in us. I'm Mm -hmm. fully convinced of that. And we either are pushed to come together and 
say, I'm going to use my skills, talents, and abilities for the best of my community and my family and those around me and serve. Right. Or we are, we are driven to kind of lash out and act out of kind of animal instinct. Mm -hmm. And we really have a big, like some people have a more natural tendency towards one or the other. Like for instance, I feel like right now, I'm, I'm like ready to jump back in my scrubs. I'm at, I'm not at the bedside anymore. I do education for nursing, but I'm ready to jump back in my scrubs at, at the call that I get to do so if I'm needed, because like, and, and work as much as I, as I need to, because I want to, I know I have the skill set to do that. Right. And this is, this is what I was, this is what my calling was. Sorry. When I got into nursing. Right. I don't have the, by the way, that was just a tickle in my throat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like, I feel like you, you have the choice. You either can sit back and be a keyboard warrior and um, blast your neighbor for going on spring break um, as planned with their family and how dare they, they could expose, you know, all the people around them when they come back, you could, you can sit there and do that. I'm not saying that opinion is right or wrong. I'm just saying like, where, where's the use in that? You're causing a conflict where there was none. You don't really need to insert yourself into that dialogue right now. What you are needed for is to find factual information, do what you can for yourself and your family and your neighbors at this point without judgment. And that's going to, exponentially help the situation die down because right now in healthcare, we're not even so concerned about the virus as we are about people's response. Right. We've had um, looting of really like essential and necessary protective equipment for hospital staff. Mm-hmm. That's going to help you. If you actually get this thing, mm-hmm. if you have to come into the hospital, you will not be as well protected if people continue to look out for number one and go to all links to obtain masks, gloves, gowns, etc. That's not that. And that's born and bred out of the fear that we've incited. And, okay. and that's, that's how I see it. So on, you said something, I think that is very important for all of us listeners, ourselves included to consider which is to pause in any situation and ask ourselves, where is this coming from, right? We have so many decisions we make every day and decisions actually to either post something or not post something, right? If you think Mm -hmm. about it from a psychological perspective, anytime we go onto a social media platform or make a phone call to speak with somebody, We are making a decision about how to engage them and how to communicate. And if we aren't pausing to think through, huh, where is this coming from? Then we're not really being aware of if we're making decisions based on fear. So I would encourage you all, and it might be not a super fun exercise, but it is something that I've done actually in the past And I began this type of work when it came to finances and money, actually. And it was, am I making decisions out of fear? And and to examine all the decisions you make every day, are you making those decisions because you're actually afraid of something? Because 
that to me is also counteractive to love. If you really look at the opposite of fear um, and that the word of God says perfect love casts out all fear. So there's some element of love missing. And sometimes that could be, I think, manifested in the form of maybe people are asking questions or acting the way they are because they want to control something or someone. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And that I, I think that that's very common. That's a way that it be, gets masked when people ask you questions. So I just started also looking at why are people asking me the questions that they're asking? I was supposed to speak at one of the world's biggest um, education conferences this week in Los Angeles. I was actually supposed to travel today. So it got canceled, but until they canceled that on over this weekend, I was still planning to go. Like there was no reason for me even with the confirmed number of cases in LA County, which was still very minimal last week, there was no reason for me to make a decision out of fear for something I had been preparing for, for like eight months. So, but the number of people who like texted me or called and said, "Um, you're not going next week, are you? That was their first reaction. Sorry, my dog just sees a cat out the window. Rio is just, he's just chiming in on this. He has a lot to say about it. This is in real life. Okay, listeners. Um, But yeah, it it just struck me as when you were saying all that, how often are we actually making decisions or saying things and they're coming from a place that's fear-based and not based in love, not based in trust that there is a higher divine power guiding us? Like how often are we being reactive in that way? And then are we causing cultural inflammation? Like we're using that term culture because culture is simply somebody's beliefs, norms, values, the symbols that are important to them, as well as language. So how you communicate beyond just your actual spoken language. So when you think about the driver of all things, it's our beliefs, our norms, our values, how we operate. Yeah, that then we're spewing cultural inflammation and causing a, a cultural clash, basically, when we decide to just be out there, like saying things and making statements that are fear based, whether it's about the political campaigns and races, whatever, um, or like anything, or if it's a big situation like this. From like, even as base, let me explain inflammation a little bit in case our listeners aren't familiar with it. So when your body gets some kind of an injury to it, say you rub into something and you have an abrasion on your skin, that's inflammation and it can start off pretty benign. It can start off as just a little red mark or something like that. But imagine day after day, if that area starts itching. And you just can't stop scratching it. And every little time that you itch that little area, it grows Mm. because you're scratching at it. You're irritating it more. And pretty soon that little spot that started off as a little red spot has taken up maybe a quarter of your arm or your leg or something like that. Like that is what inflammation does. And so every little thing that you put out into the universe, whether you're saying it to your child, whether you're saying it to yourself, that has the potential to inflame and grow mm-hmm. in the case of negativity. So if we're feeding out negativity into the universe, into the people around us, 
even if it seems really small, like, oh, I might put this on social media today. Probably nobody really is going to notice it or read it, but it helps me feel better on the inside. Those people that read it, they might react and be like, yeah, and then they might go and say it to their circle of friends and so on and so forth. And here we are. We feel it. I know we all feel this right now. It's a really strange sensation. I have never lived through anything like this mm-hmm. quite before. I remember 11 is the closest thing that I can think of um, as to the tenseness of the situation, the unknown of the situation. Um, right. I don't know. Justine, do you remember that? Probably. We were in high school, right? 9-11. Yes, I was a sophomore in high school and I was in the choir room. <laughs> I remember where I was. And then we watched it yeah. all day at school and we didn't have um, volleyball practice that night either. So it's just yeah. that sense of the unknown. Nobody knows exactly what's coming. Nobody knows how to react because nothing like this has ever happened before. Um, we're in 2020. We have people in the world that have billions of dollars that live excess lifestyles and we live in this weird space where like you know we potentially could run out of medical supplies through this this is one of the reasons that we're seeing like Italy has such a an increasing climbing death rate Mm -hmm. they're running out of supplies to treat their patients so we live in this weird dynamic where we have all this wealth power and privilege in our country but yet we are we're not really on the up and up on how to respond or react in a situation like this. We'll definitely learn from it. Um, but the fear has got to give way to influencing people in a positive, powerful way in acts of love and kindness and not out of distress. And, you know, we're, we're all in this together and whether you believe in God or not, my sister and I have, you know, a relationship with God. And I kind of have of the opinion, like, if I were to die tomorrow, I'd be good. Like, I've lived a wonderful right. life. And I'm, I'm okay. I'm at peace right. with whatever happens, happens. Likewise. And so if you don't have the safety and security and knowing that, I can see how people react in a place of fear, fear of death, fear of the unknown of What's going to happen if I get sick? What's going to happen if I can't work for two weeks and can't pay my bills? You know, even at the it's, base it's, level. Right. So, so I want to bring this to our, like a real world scenario that I actually just um, was talking with a colleague of mine and I want to bring this to a tangible level. So if you're somebody listening, thanks for listening so far. Um, but we, we won't just stay on that one topic. So we'll, let me give a little real life scenario in case you're sick and tired of hearing about the coronavirus and the uh, looming pandemic. Um, so I'm talking with this colleague, somebody I know very well, love her very much. And the scenario is that she has the opportunity to be vice president of a large international company that just launched their North American division. Okay. They are a startup. They actively have investors. So she would be signing on with a salary. However, she, and, and her current role, she has to travel like four days a week, still has a child in high school, 
like it's been a drain on their family and she makes decent money, like quote unquote, good money. I'm using air quotes because that's all relative in my opinion. Um, But because she thinks she has some sense of security there, I said, if this is what you want your mission and your legacy to be, and this is bringing it to fruition, why, what is holding you back from making the leap out of your current role, which you can't stand for a lot of reasons? Like she actually, she likes the work she does, but it's way too much travel. It's way too hard on her. Okay. So as I'm asking her this, she says, well, I guess it's just that unknown, the fact that it's a startup and, you know, we don't know if we're going to make it. And I said, you literally just told me they committed to a three-year agreement with you and you have active investors. That is the ideal scenario for an entrepreneur. <laughs> like, like that, that, that's, that's beyond ideal. Even six get. months would be and great. And I said, what would yeah. keep your current company who employs you from having some type of tragedy that they didn't share with you or whatever in their books and telling you, oh, we're so sorry, but your positions are all cut tomorrow. Nothing, nothing would stop that. Anyways, I'm saying all this to say, I love my friend dearly. I've been in that situation where I am thinking through something and, and she said, you're, you're right. It's completely illogical, but I'm scared. And so what do you do? Right. Because as humans, it's almost like we have this counterintuitive to me. This is very counterintuitive, but it also speaks volumes to how much we think that we control. And (laughs) when we walk around thinking we have control over things is where I think people become like their fear almost becomes elevated and it becomes very clear to you that they're operating in fear because to your point, I was literally talking to one of my other friends and I said, well, I said, we've had nothing before. So I just kind of go all in on things and figure God will always provide somehow. Um, And I, I think, I think when you've had experiences where you know what it's like to not know where a paycheck's coming from, perhaps to have a medical scare where you don't know how much life you have left, sometimes there are things and, and when you look back on it, no, it wasn't fun, but, but it's like, thank God that God revealed that insight to me because I would still, I would be operating in my life a lot differently right now. Exactly. And I feel like, I feel like people come away from situations of fear, such as we're experiencing right now, either coming out on the other side with a beautiful new perspective Um, and the ability to see outside themselves more and live in that way, or they come out feeling discouraged, disgruntled in humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that perpetuates the dialogue even further. My hope and prayer for this, this whole experience is that we as Americans are brought back together because there is a huge divide in this country and you can see it even even with this issue, there for whatever reason, people feel the need to divide themselves and have opinions and all of this stuff. This is this is a factual matter to me. It's very black and white. What we're being told is what we're being told. And there are leaders in place to address it. But we feel the need somehow to perpetuate us aside 
we have to have a side. You, you just have to. I don't, I don't, it's something about being an American. Like you got to take sides on stuff at this point. And maybe that will go away a little bit um, if we have to go through, you know, hardship together and learn again what it's like to live in harmony with one another. Well, I mean, to be fair, our whole country was founded on the idea of you have to choose this way of believing and living. Right. So when you look at historically, whether it's puritanical thought, not to get all super nerdy, but it usually happens at least one time per episode. Sorry, listeners. But if you look at even the theologies that were brought over from those who colonized the states and indigenous tribes that were here, it was it, they were seen as other and if you don't adapt to our way of worshiping and the way we see God, then you're not, you're, you're different and you're not okay. You're not okay. According to our norm. Right. And so when you have an entire country that was somewhat founded, not somewhat, in my opinion, it was founded on cultural inflammation, right? One party trying to force their belief in, in thought systems as better or right versus another party so I think when that is the foundation it's not shocking to me that we are still operating the way that we are but that's also humanity that's not just the United States right like these types of issues regardless of the context or the people involved human nature um we we if we're if we aren't aware of it, if we don't develop a skill set to step back and pause, then then by human nature, I think we are driven by power. Um, I think that we are. Um, I, I listened to another podcast called Entrepreneurs on Fire, and he had featured this guy, and he does great stuff with graphic design. Um, and he he said something I thought was really fascinating. He said when you're designing something whether it's for business or print design, whatever, there's a theory that it's just like the, the human or the animal instinct, right? So any species of animal, including humans, when they see something, whether it's a design, a book, a person, whatever, basic human neuroscience, if you boil it down, your brain either says, I want to kill that or I want to mate with it. <laughs> And I just thought it was so fascinating because I now I'm always thinking like, is that really what I think? And in an elevated way, we might not think those exact terms because to some people that will sound really harsh or like negative, but the reality is we do. We constantly make that assessment of that looks like a good person. That looks like a bad person. And whatever is in our mind and in our belief system and our norms of what we think quote unquote good is and quote unquote bad is. Hmm. (laughs) Never heard it quite that way before. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you see somebody for the first time, you do have some kind of impression. And I guess that probably at its root is what it goes back to but I never thought about it. I had never heard that either, but I thought it was fascinating. And he was saying nowadays, the same is true with like even a well-designed website. 
people decide within the first five seconds if they're going to keep scrolling or if they're going to click out of it. And it all has to do with the way you use color, the way you use shape and form. Um, it was, it was fascinating, but, um, I think all that to say, again, if you have a, I guess, smaller context, meaning maybe a smaller bubble that you've lived life in, yeah, you have probably a much more defined way of seeing things if you have limited exposure. But as you expose yourself to more perspectives and more types of people and more experiences in life, that broadens how you view the world fundamentally. And it's not good or bad if you have a lot of experiences from travel or um, just staying in one town your whole life. Either way, I think the important thing to take away from this is in real life, are you actually asking yourself, why am I making the decisions I'm making? And am I doing it out of fear or in an effort to control people, you know, or control a situation that quite frankly, most situations we don't have a lot of control over. And really how, how am I affecting those around me? Like I always, in my personal life, I gauge everything I do on how, how am I affecting my world? So it doesn't mean that I'm just thinking about how it affects Mm -hmm. me. I'm going to think a little bit ahead and try to think about how does it affect my kids, my husband, friends, family, and then it goes out from there if I'm making a major decision. So I think that is important because if we're talking about like leaving a legacy, if I die tomorrow, I don't, I don't want a legacy of, oh, she was super selfish. She just, she just cared about herself. And, you know, you could tell by everything she did, she was just looking out for herself. Like, I don't want that as a legacy. You have to decide for yourself what you want to leave as your legacy and your, your imprint on the world, because it does have an effect. And if you think for a minute, even if you're a person that doesn't have a large circle, or maybe you're at home a lot of the time, and like Justine said, your bubble is pretty small you still have a legacy and you still have a footprint. Absolutely. And you, it is, it is important. Like my husband and I were having this conversation the other day because I was, I was struggling with, um, (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't listen. Don't worry. (laughs) Only he said he only listens when I say it's a a valid episode that he should listen to. says. So we have to like market. We have he to, said, I have to listen to you talk all the time. I know what you say. actively market to our significant others. So there you go. <laughs> We're glad you're listening. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Anyways, I was just, I had this like light bulb moment because I was struggling with like, I mean, some, I had had a conversation with somebody and it was like, not, not a really good conversation. And I was like, I don't understand how people can think like this person is just thinking about themselves. They're not like, and he's like, it's very uncommon for people to think outside of mm-hmm. themselves. And I go, <laughs> and I, you're like, what? <laughs> I'm only thinking of my own thought process in this. <laughs> it literally like made me, it made me weep because that like to think of other people in that way as like, 
it's very rare to find somebody who is actually looking out for how they impact the world is discouraging and disgruntling to me. Like, and it makes me sad actually, because, and, but I, I still don't, I want to believe that that's not true. I want to believe that in the heart of everybody, they really do want, like God gave us this world. He gifted us our life, our job and our calling for all of us. And this is across the board is to like, take care of our body mm-hmm. that we were given, take care of the that we live in and as much as possible, enjoy the bounty that God has given to us and gifted but us. We, and but we, but it, I will say this, and again, this is assuming the positive intention and I'll even throw myself under the bus. I had a very different view of even who God was until I was in my mid twenties than what I do now. And it was something like him sitting on a golden throne, waiting down, waiting to like strike me down with lightning. If I even used a bad word. So if Mm, that is your perspective of God and love, imagine then how we kind of become these like, uh, I don't know if this is the right terminology, but like a pseudo uh, masochist, so to speak. Basically, we end up putting ourselves in situations that actually hurt us because we don't understand how much God even loves us. And for me, that that was a huge revelation for me into my adulthood. This is somebody who we grew up in the church. And so... and. and good, bad, or other, it's not pointing a finger at how somebody interpreted the Bible or decided to teach certain lessons in Sunday school. It's, it, it, it doesn't matter all that history of it. It's what you decide as far as how you decide to live your life in the world. And when you, you look at that perspective, if most of us have a view like that, not most of us, but many of us, or we just don't have clarity on who we are, we, I mean, we're a product of, um, there's a whole theory, social learning theory, Albert Bandura. He was great social scientist. So the social learning theory is that what you are exposed, essentially it's as basic as what is taught to me and what I'm exposed to is by human nature, what I will end up repeating and, and living my life as. So if I if I'm only been surrounded by a couple of thought processes my whole life, if I've only seen things a certain way, it is human nature that I I like comfort. I don't necessarily want to put myself in uncomfortable situations. That's human nature. So unless we feel comfortable with being uncomfortable regularly, that's a very hard thing. And statistically, I will also say that there is recent research that about, I think it's something like about 80 to 85% of people believe that they're self-aware, but when actually assessed with like measurement tools of self-awareness, only about 10% of people actually are self-aware. So I'm not shocked by, I'm not shocked by people's behavior, but this is also what I do for a living is help people understand who they are and their identity And so I get excited talking about these things, but I also understand where you're coming from because it, it, we have to be actively involved in our own evolution as a human being. 
And if we're not, then we just are saying, well, life, life is just this destination. And once I reach it, then I've arrived, you know, and I, I yeah, life just correct. happened to and me. That, that in to, many me ways. to me, right. that's a really boring way to live. But it had you asked me 10 years ago, I probably would have thought and answered and responded very differently to this entire conversation. So, oh, same, so this isn't same, like, absolutely. this is and us just talking out. through even where we're at in our own journeys in life, because that everybody's going to be at a different place. And you know what? Some people, they might have a revelation when they're 65 years old and you know what, doggone it. They travel the world right. for 30 years until they die. Who knows? But it's just a matter of how we choose to respond to different crises, different things that might incite fear And to ultimately be asking ourselves, when we have fear come up, is it really even logical? Is fear ever logical? Well, here's an altar call right here, because really, if you're sitting here today and you're super, super afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow, as as all of us have a little bit of fear of Mm -hmm. the unknown, we don't know what's going to happen. Right. That's the thing. We need happen tomorrow but so I can sit here and Justine can sit here and say our faith is firm in our God our faith is firm in that we are going to be taken care of one way or the other whether it's to sit here on earth and serve or whether it's to you know and enjoy the afterlife with our heavenly father you know so we're firm in that but if you're sitting there and you're like I don't know this like what is going to happen tomorrow what is going to happen tomorrow? I I'm afraid. And beyond that, I don't know anything, nothing. And I think the reason that both of us maybe have evolved a little bit in our faith and opinions about, um, fear, faith, all of those things, how to love other people is because we felt the perfect mm-hmm. love of God. And if you don't allow that, you, op- you don't open that door. You don't understand what, uh, what God's love what perfect love, what perfect peace is because you, your experience as a human is being loved by your mom and dad, by your spouse, by your kids, by your um, siblings, by your friends. So that love is so imperfect. And, and, and then a lot of times it's a sacrifice. A lot of times mm-hmm. it's hurtful. A lot of times it gets really sticky and so our perception of how we are loved and the way that we feel love and interpret love, if we're basing it on our human experience, that's pretty disappointing. Right, which is why it's also so important to recognize life. when people are referring to God as Jehovah Jireh, the divine one, uh, heavenly father, all these different names that are utilized, which really make no difference to God, in my opinion, but for some, for example, there are people I know personally that will not call God father because they didn't have a father or the father they had was mm-hmm. a total POS and treated them terribly. And so to make that that like correlation between what an earthly father is, it it, it can be difficult and confusing because then are we really going to look at God as being loving if we had a POS dad and that's how we're seeing God? No, that's not even logical. 
And then the whole other pieces of that come up, right? When you, when we start to dive into, well, what color is God? Is God a woman, right? What gender? I, uh, those are all big conversations because at the end of the day, we process things through a lens that we feel comfortable with. And again, we are somewhat unaware of what that could mean. For example, if, if every picture or depiction you've ever seen of God is a white male and you're, for example, a black female, think about what that does to the psyche. Right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> and the, and the underlying thing here is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It is God is who he is to you because he is that to you because he created or she, you. Because he do you loves think you. God could be he a woman? He knows you. I, I think it's beyond our perception. Like, I don't think God is anything. We try to understand God. It, it's bigger than our ability right. to comprehend whether you're. Which is why we create I mean, these classification I, systems, because it makes us feel better about something we, that's different than ourselves. If we could understand God, we would mm. be God. That That's like. Right. It's like if you can understand right. human nature. I mean, we can, we can pretty well boil we should down be to able nature. to if we're human to a degree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we can, we can, we can we make, try. I mean, in, in broad really generalizations <laughs> um, in our, right. But exactly that, like we're limited to our bubble again, once again, we're here and we have no real concept or way of measuring who God is. And that's why faith is so important. It's not because like you got to say a certain word and you got to say a certain prayer and you got to go to church on this day and you got to do this. Faith is faith because it's something bigger than we can imagine or fathom or understand. And I don't care how big of an intellectual you are in this world, how smart, how many degrees you could be the, the smartest man that ever walked the earth. There's, there's a reason nobody can explain the universe in its entirety yeah, yeah. there's a reason you can pilot I mean, there are components that we've been able to boil down scientifically but in reality nobody really knows that's mm-hmm. why we disagree on it right and wouldn't our time be better spent coming together and and like honoring and and understanding and admiring the great, the great things that somebody has to offer instead of just focusing on disagreeing with them about one point in our entire lives. (laughs) Right. Like, like a political, like political view or whatever, you know, you, the, the reality is you don't need to go in search of God. God will search you out. If you just open, if you open the door and say, I'm ready, get ready. Then when you say that, just get ready. As I began my morning today, I will leave us with this thought (laughs) that I said so lovingly to my, to my significant other, as he left for the day, I said, you know, I'm not sure what the day holds, but I'm here for it. (laughs) Amen. I do have a funny note to end on. I have shared it to my Instagram stories today. So if you don't follow Kara and I, we do have an Instagram for our company at spiritually strategic underscore co. 
Her personal page is at Fawn River Beauty. You should definitely check it out if you like beauty and gardening. Those are kind of how she hangs out a lot. <laughs> um, and I'm at Spiritually Strategic. Um, and those are our Instagrams. But on my stories today, I posted songs with a 20-second chorus that you can sing while you're washing your hands. So here's a couple just, yes. just to give you a Good preview. Job, and you're supposed to repeat these choruses twice, and that'll equal your 20 seconds. So Good as Hell by Lizzo, okay. you know, I do my hair toss. Okay. This okay. is my personal favorite. Okay. I've been singing this one when I wash my hands. Africa by Toto. I mean, come on. Come on. Oh, yeah, baby. Um, here's one <laughs> I have fond memories of that because when I was, I think oh, a freshman, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it was for sure I was a freshman in high school. Um, there was a group of four super hot <laughs> senior guys. If you're listening, hey, you're not, but okay. Um, anyways, oh, don't be jealous, Anthony, funny. but you're not listening. Kara and I, You'll Kara never and I, know. Kara and I were both in show choir in high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I was like, I wanted to be in show choir since I was in first grade when they came and performed our elementary school, and I knew I was going to do it. Anyways, as a freshman, when it was more of a reality for me, and I could try out like the following year, I watched these four guys perform that song, and it was just like, (laughs) they they did it well. I remember it. I I remember it. I was still in elementary school, I think, but um, yeah, that's a good one, and um landslide by Fleetwood Mac that's not the chorus can you sing that one that one one isn't the chorus (laughs) but it's the one you know Stevie Nicks sings it well I've been afraid of changing because I failed my life I know Africa's the funnest that's the one one. that I've been doing so um but there's a few others there so check it out but thanks for tuning in this has been a riveting conversation um remember today that it's human nature to have fear around things, but a lot of it is all about how you respond. And are you willing to tell yourself the truth in those situations and see it through the eyes of love and how God would see the situation? So thanks for tuning in. And okay. also, and also, if you're a little bit offended by anything that we said today, I want you to go back and I really want you to think about why you're afraid of what was said and why it made you right. feel the way you felt. Because I feel like there will be people that listen that are maybe triggered it's by true. certain things. I want you to like deeply analyze why you felt that fear. Fear needs to be analyzed. Well, and, and I, think, I think when we get so offended, that's all I'm gonna say about I that. do think that a lot of times if we are offended, we do need to examine like what's really going on there because usually at least in my own personal experiences if I feel offended it's because I felt insecure about something and I was actually projecting more than anything that what they actually said that was intended to be offensive I don't I don't think that that's ever I like I always try to assume positive intention because most people aren't generally saying I'm going to go say something to offend Kara or Justine. I don't think that. So I think we always have to do that self-examination first, you know, and ask ourselves because I I will say there's very there's probably very little at this point in life that offends me. <laughs> I just don't because in most situations, it's probably going to be me either 
projecting an insecurity or just not stepping back and going, you know, I know that's not true and they don't know me and they don't know who I am and it's probably more their own issue. So I'm not going to let it bother me. So. Right. Correct. And is this what yep, God that's says the about ultimate, How do you, the how truth? do you go through the ultimate fear factor test? Ask, is this what God would say about me? Um, and one of the easiest ways to start doing that too, is to, jump into a, some type of religious text. It could be the Bible. It could be Lao Tzu's work. It could be the Torah, whatever. There's a lot of scriptures, holy scriptures out there that you will see consistently reaffirming who we are in God and how God loves us. So, um, yeah, if you ever have comments, questions, feel free to DM us on Instagram and be sure that you, that you rate us, subscribe, whatever you're fancy on the podcast platforms, but. And if you found this episode helpful for you during this tough time, please share it with your friends. There's all kinds of shit going around out there. This is actually something good that people (laughs) need to hear. Hey listeners. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Sunflower Society podcast. To learn more about Kara and I and Spiritually Strategic Co., our company together, you can visit spirituallystrategic.com. And of course, if you found value in this episode, feel free to pass it along to a friend. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and leave us a review on Apple. All right. We hope that you have a wonderful week.